0: Hey there and welcome to another episode of The Walk and I'm recording this on an unusual day same time but not the same day I'm recording this on a Sunday afternoon um, and I am out for a walk in the woods hopefully before it starts raining I saw that uh, a pretty big rain front is approaching from the southeast and or southwest I should say and I don't know exactly when it's going to be here, but hopefully I'll be back home in time. The reason that I'm recording this on Sunday and not on Monday is that I don't know how my lungs are going to evolve in the next couple of days. I had a resurgence of the cold, or at least the after effects of the cold, and I've been coughing so much this past week. And it's, it's now in the bronchi so it's in the lower part of my lungs which is more dangerous because it can develop into a bronchitis and uh, that would not be uh, a very favorable development considering that in one week from now hopefully i'll be walking around not in the woods near my town where the town where i live but i will be walking in the streets of rome and of course i'd rather walk in rome without coughing my lungs out uh uh, my how do you say that i'm coughing my lungs out (laughs) that's it and so since right now i feel okay i don't have that urge to to cough all the time it may of course happen occasionally but it seems to be okay right now so i'd rather record something now so i can rest as much as possible in the days before i go to rome in case you don't know why i'm going to rome um well, I don't know either. <laughs> I just had a a week where I wasn't scheduled to be in the parish. And uh, I haven't been in Rome for about a year and a half. And I really want to go back there and uh, d- just be in Rome. <laughs> Do I need to explain more? It's just <clears throat> feels like my second home. But it, it uh, it's a bit weird that I'm not there for more than a year and a half. Uh so what I wanted to talk to about today has nothing to do with Rome, but it has to do with, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, with the cat distribu- distribution system, the <clears throat> the mysterious galaxy-wide cat distribution system. And uh, believe me, there is a reason that I want to talk about this, and it has to do with goal setting and with the next year and also with Advent and maybe even Christmas, but I'll make all those connections hopefully later on. But let's first start with this whole cat distribution system. Now for cat lovers, this may be more familiar than if you're more of a dog person. The idea is that for most uh, pets, it's the people that choose the pet. However, with cats, it seemingly is the opposite. The cat, Or the universe chooses you to be the owner of a cat or to be owned by a cat, because that's kind of in practice what it comes down to. And uh, it's funny, but I saw this video the other day of a lady who, um, who showed how that cat distribution system works. She doesn't have any cats. She just lives a happy life somewhere in a suburb of a city. But she films um, the moment that she's standing in the in the in the back door of her in in the front of her backyard because she has heard the meowing of a kitten, and it's pretty obvious from the sound of the meowing that it's a kitten in distress so she's looking for the kitten she's like, "Well, something must have happened, but no matter where she looks, she doesn't find the kitten until She discovers that behind the border of her garden there is a bit of a crevice between the edge, I think, of her garden and a wall. And uh, a small kitten has fallen into that crevice and is completely stuck at the bottom. It's so difficult to reach that she can't get the kitten out. And the kitten is clearly very distraught and probably also... um, uh, not domesticated, so it's it 's just not something you you reach down and, and grab the kitten because you 'll probably be bitten and scratched and so uh, she calls the, the fire the fire brigade and two big guys arrive uh, and and tear down most of her most of that part of the garden to liberate the kitten and then she 's so enamored with the kitten that she decides to take it into her home and to raise it. And then every subsequent video is a sequel to that that uh shows the fate of this kitten and it's uh it's a it's a great story because at first, since this kitten is not domesticated um, the kitten is very fierce and and keeps her distance and every time she tries to uh come closer, the cat hit hiss, hisses and scratches and bites and um In every video, you see the incredible patience of this woman who knows that she has been chosen by this galaxy-wide cat distribution system to take care of this kitten, but the kitten is not aware of that and doesn't want to be helped, seemingly. But every day, every video, you see that, like, inch by inch, literally, the um the distance decreases and and eventually she's able to touch the kitten with a glove and then feed it a bit and uh and then she she squeezes in a, a little cuddle and well it takes forever seemingly but eventually the kitten is tamed and uh as now uh, a very warm friendly cuddly cat Uh, who is, you know, doesn't hopefully remember any of the traumatic beginnings of her relationship with that woman. I preached about this uh, on Sunday in church because I was looking for um, a parallel story to the readings of uh, the second Sunday of Advent. Uh, And all the readings are about this... uh, the savior that has been promised and then the longing of people for that savior. And also it just takes forever. (laughs) And there sometimes in history doesn't seem to be a trace of this savior. What's that sound that I hear? I'm approaching this building in the middle of nowhere. And it sounds like a generator. I've never been here before. This looks like the house of someone but there's also like this green tent on the right. No idea what's in there. Maybe it's covering machinery or, and there's a container, like a sea container here. Let's take a look. The things you discover when you randomly walk in the woods. Oh. What do you know? It's a leaf blower. Hello. <laughs> and that and that other thing, the the like the very booming sound, that was a generator indeed. So I guess this house is not uh, doesn't have its own electricity, so it needs to use a generator for that. And the high-pitched sound was a leaf blower, which <laughs> seems to be a bit of a weird device here because we're literally in the middle of the woods there is not a single patch in this entire environment that is not covered by leaves. So, um, trying to get rid of those leaves seems to be an impossible mission. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, the, uh, the, the readings in, in Advent often harken back to the prophet Isaiah, who is uh, writing in a difficult time, Usually, prophets appear in difficult times, and what we know of Isaiah is first of all, he was a professional prophet, his Hebrew the way he formulates the way it 's written down it's um, it 's impressive it 's beautiful uh, we also know that he has the very he, he often emphasizes god 's solidarity with the oppressed and with people in need, but the thing is with this vast collection of writings, the latter part, like the final few chapters of Isaiah, um, are different in style and also seem seemingly refer to a different context than the rest of Isaiah, which makes um, scientists believe or researchers believe that um, th- th- there were... Um, certain parts of the book of Isaiah that have been described to the prophet, but were written down much, much later, maybe even more than a century later. And uh, Isaiah writes, like the real Isaiah, (laughs) Um, it lives way before the Babylonian exile, but um, it's pretty obvious that in the chapter that we read during Advent, the Babylonian Exile is in full swing, or maybe even already uh, nearing its end, because that's where you have that famous um, exhortation to hope for the Lord, because um, the Lord will make a road in the desert um, straight back to Jerusalem. So it's the idea. B- B- Babylon, city of Babylon, was about 17. 17- hundred kilometers away from Jerusalem, so that would be a couple of months of travel. But the, the exiles who were humiliated by the Babylonian rulers, um, they even paraded the, the statues, uh, the, pic- the pictures of the, the various deities that were venerated by the people that were taken captive. They paraded those statues through the streets of Babylon as a, a way to, to subjugate the, the people and to break their faith. But it, that hadn't worked with the people of Israel. They, of, of course, didn't have a statue of their God, because God is not a thing. He's, he's beyond depictions. And so instead they paraded the treasures that they stole from the temple in Jerusalem. But people have, have were holding on to their faith in God. And um, it's it's likely that people at the time oh I know where we are this is this famous wow I we only, I only came here once during a training in, in and this was in the summer maybe even in springtime and uh, I was told that this was an ant sanctuary so there are lots and lots of different types of ants and they have de- designated this part of the woods to all these different colonies of ants and so you will find uh, an incredible variety of ants, and they all live in, you know, on the alongside the the tr- the path where I'm currently trying to uh, walk on. Of course, it's now winter, so they're deep underground. No ants here, but in the summertime, some uh, we were walking around there in shorts, and when I heard that this was a sanctuary for ants, somehow I started to feel itchy everywhere. <laughs> it's like this psychological. Uh, thing that you think of ants and immediately you feel like they're all over you. Um, anyway, so uh, they they couldn't break the hope and the faith of the Israelites and they were using the what they remembered of the, of the prophet Isaiah as a way to encourage one another. You know, there will be a Savior and one, way, one day God will make a road straight back to Jerusalem and if there are hills in the way, he will he will flatten them. Um so uh and and that was l- probably later on written down and and uh added to the collection of writings that were ascribed to the prophet Isaiah. Now, of course, I'm not an expert so I may be uh wrong about this, but this is what I remember. Well, the the idea is um that this whole w- w- the the one thing that kept people going uh Although they were so far away from home and uh, there seemed to be no future for them. Also, all their leaders, their religious and political leaders, were also taken captive. They were also living in, in exile there. And so and uh, Jerusalem itself was, had been destroyed. There were no protective walls anymore. And so there was also back home a lot of fear about the future. And people felt incredibly vulnerable. But these stories of hope gave them a goal. And the goal was one day God will bring us home and, and we will rebuild or he will rebuild with us the walls of our city and uh, we will be safe again. And it's because of that goal that they were able to withstand all the pressure for, for them to abandon their faith to abandon their God. And I always... Find that an, a, a, a beautiful story because this is, this is this is true. We know that this is true. Hope is hope for a better future is what keeps people fighting the good fight. This is also what uh, motivated so many people in during the Second World War to resist the Germans and to go underground and to try to protect um, the Jews and other people that were targeted by the Nazis. Um, they knew that uh, this was not going to be the future and they wanted to resist uh, until a better future uh, arrived and well think- thankfully they were able to resist <coughs> and, and because of that we live in freedom at least here in this part of the world and so hope is something we all need and um, I I likened the process of this woman who is suddenly tasked with the care of this kitten in distress to save it and then to nurture it with the way in which God looks at our history. And we often think that when the world is in darkness, uh, that, that God is not paying attention and so a lot of our prayers are like the prayers you, you'll find in the Bible. Like, God, don't you see what's happening? Don't you see that so much bad stuff is, is targeting the good people and all these evildoers are so successful? Why aren't you coming to our rescue? And uh, uh, in in the second reading on Sunday, there was a, a letter by, um, by St. Peter. And he writes to a community where people are also kind of impatient because... They initially thought that Jesus would return very soon, as in, you know, next week or maybe a month from now. And that would put an end to the rule of the, of the Romans. But it had been quite a while and still no sign of this, uh, of the return of Jesus. And, and they were getting very anxious about that. And Peter writes in his second letter, like, hold on, there is a reason. Maybe you, you don't understand it, but, but it could very well be that God is giving us more time to convert because he wants to save everyone. and He wants to give people the opportunity to turn back to him. And maybe that's why he's waiting. It's just a, a way to try to cope with the reality that God isn't always like the Gandalf, a type of wizard who shows up exactly at the right time and uh, waves a magic wand and all is well uh, or like the eagles who show you know why in, in the Lord of the Rings sorry I'm making a I'm doing what is very typical for people with ADHD it's called Dolphining um, it's a little aside here where my brain is going like at five times the speed of uh, what I'm actually sharing here And so my brain is making connections with Tolkien and the the, the Lord of the Rings. But since I don't communicate that with you, it feels like, oh, I see a dolphin. And then the dolphin goes below the waves and then emerges. And all of a sudden, it's in a totally different place. That's kind of what just happened. Like, I was thinking of Lord of the Rings. Um, But I forgot to communicate with you how my brain got there. So... Uh, And now I totally forgot why I was mentioning the Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's the eagles. Why don't the eagles bring the fellowship straight to mortar? I mean, that would have saved so much time. Um, And instead, they show up at the very last moment. Well, you know what? Tolkien, I think, being very familiar, of course, with the the Bible and lots of our stories, is, is just using what we all know sometimes happens when, when there is darkness there is no magic solution and there is no immediate savior in sight and so in the meantime until those eagles arrive you'll have to try to to work with it well you have to do your part in order to hold on and to not give up and so um, I think in, uh, Tolkien is showing us in a mirror our own world where you know, I'm praying for an end to the atrocities in what we call the Holy Land, and what is happening there, and all this bloodshed and and uh, just incredible suffering of children, of families, of of, of innocent people um, in this in this gruesome war. But at the same time, I know that. <laughs> God is not probably not going to show up like that all of a sudden. We will have to do what we can to bring about peace. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't pray anymore. But prayer is ultimately something that you know, we don't have to convince God that our world needs peace. But we need to convince ourselves. We need to change. And so this is, I think, what the Bible stories often reflect is... Um, if God doesn't seem to be home, He doesn't seem to be answering your prayers, make sure that you hasten His advent. (laughs) That you do what you can, because you know that ultimately God will come and there will be an end to all this suffering. That's the target, that's the goal. But in the meantime, do what you can to make that a reality. So uh, it's, it's also what I like, uh, like about the Christian view on the collaboration between God and humans. It's not that we are in competition with one another. No, I mean, you have these people that say, I never go to the doctor. I don't, I, I don't want to get vaccinated because uh, God will take care of that. And then God, maybe from his side, is like, well, but I sent you a doctor. I helped scientists develop a vaccine. Uh, um, the vaccinations, and then you don't use that? <laughs> Come on. I'm working with people, not instead of them. And so, anyway. Uh, and for the, the story of the kitten for me is a, is, a, is like a metaphor of the patience that God has with, with us. He, he may save us. He may get us out of that crevice where we're stuck. He may unstuck us, but it doesn't mean that everything is solved. He will... Very patiently, step by step, throughout history, try to approach us, try to make us at ease with him, and to feed us. And oftentimes, we, like that kitten, we hiss at him and we say, oh, "I don't want anything to do with you." Meow! Leave me alone. And God never gives up, but he, because He knows that one day we will be domesticated, we we are not destined to be. Um, clawing at him and biting at him um, we are destined to be in his arms and he will not stop until we are and that gives us hope um, so I was using that whole story about kittens in the in the homily you can immediately see who is a cat person and who is a dog person in the audience <laughs> but um, I find that a very inspiring thought during this time of Advent um, because I I experienced in my own life how much um, having hope and having a goal, uh, even if it seems to be out of reach, helps me, uh, stops me from despair, from giving up, from uh, blaming myself that I made a mistake, etc. And to make that more, uh, to illustrate that with... uh, what I experienced last week, I had a very difficult week and I've really been struggling and I don't exactly know why, but sometimes that happens where, you know, everything seems to go fine for a while and all of a sudden you get into this streak of mishap and you feel discouraged and tired and I think it is probably a a combination of um, the cold and uh, the... um, you know, m- not not being well, and then there because of that, not sleeping enough because I was coughing so much, and so you you uh, you get more and more tired. And because you're tired, you st- I stopped. I uh, I lose perspective, and I get more irritated and overwhelmed by things. <clears throat> and despite that, I was trying to uh, push through, which has always been kind of my reaction to when things go. When I don't feel well, I've, I have the, I have a tendency to uh, to force myself to go on, which is not always the best answer to that. Sometimes, it's more important to take a step back and take some extra care of uh, your health and getting a bit more rest, etc. Instead, I'm just like trying to fight whatever is ailing me, and so. I was discouraged last week. Um, I've shared with you that I was um, planning to start a winter campaign um, and try to raise a bit more money for the mission for next year because it's we're, we're uh, operating at a loss now for two years. And I am just very, very, very worried about my future work if... Uh, if we we get through our reserves, and this is going very uh, very fast, the thing was, because I was not feeling well, I just I didn't have the energy to work on a on a fundraising campaign. It's also something that uh, I I haven't done that. I'm not I'm not good at it. It's just something I of course I can Google how to do this, but I just didn't have the energy, and so it was the beginning of Advent. And I felt like I I just messed it up. I was like, I don't, I, I don't think I can start. Although, uh, th- this fun drive. And, and I started to doubt myself on so many other levels. And I had to fight more than usual, this inner voice that told me, you see, it's never going to work. You know, you're never going to get beyond the the patrons that you have now, and maybe it's time to find a, another job and to give up on your aspirations. And uh, yeah, it's, give up on this winter campaign because that's not going to fly. Uh, and this past month, um, I was looking at the patron statistics and I saw there was no, not one single patron for 30 days. And a number of patrons had, had uh, stopped their... Their donations, and just so you see this list when you log into Patreon, and I'm seeing, oh my gosh, we lost more patrons, and there is there is no one who <laughs> who has joined the community. How are, am I possibly going to to get to the point where where I don't have to worry about this? Um, and the other, the other thing, I realized that I don't even know exactly wh- wh- what I'm talking about. You know, how, how much uh, do, we, do we need? Um, how quickly are our reserves uh, disappearing, etc.? So I asked Inge to give me some numbers. And, and I, that even instilled more fear in me because I uh, realized that, and this is despite the the support of, of the patron community, but we were still operating at a loss of 50,000 euros, this year alone, this year alone. And so you can imagine, and this is not because we're so, you know, paying so much for, I don't know, all the equipment and stuff, this is just because I have to pay for my own rent and my own salary, and Inge is working, um... Not even half time for us. And so she gets a very modest salary for that. And that's it, you know? But I like 50,000 euros per year that we're currently, that we have to, um, that's the loss. How are a few patrons going to compensate for that? I mean, it's just, and I felt so discouraged. And and I, and I was blaming myself. Was like, this is what you get, you know. You're only doing these podcasts. And then th- with the videos, uh, the TikTok. Yeah, I'm reaching millions of people. But this is TikTok. These are young people. They don't have an income. They are not going to join the, the, the Patreon community. And of course, I, I've i shared with you that, you know, for, in my mind, the way forward is to find some people that find it important that I continue this mission because this is a generation that that grows up without any guidance from the church and and I'm one of the few people I think that is able to to bridge that gap to to go and look for that lost kitten that is that is, that is crying for help and uh, at the same time it feels like it's it's like an impossible mission anyway so i was i was blaming myself and i had so much inner talk like oh you see it's like you're messing things up etc and you didn't work hard enough and all the usual uh gaslighting but like self gaslighting was was back and forth and i had to i had to fight it but i didn't have the tools i couldn't say well that's all nonsense because you know we're doing fine and i was like no, actually, I can't say that we're doing fine. <laughs> this is not going to last very long anymore. And then what? And I just I felt like I, I had no no idea what to do. Now, last week, I, sh- I, I was actually very optimistic. Remember, I was sharing with you how important it is to trust in God's providence. And it doesn't mean that God is going to fix everything, so you should do it yourself. And I was full of, like... <sighs> energy and optimism and then the day after I felt I felt like what I just described I felt totally miserable it's like oh I'm a failure and this this whole this whole mission is uh is doomed to to uh to to end soon and I don't want that because I I know this is what I should do and I there's no way out anyway so it just goes to show that even though I may share with you How I feel at that very moment doesn't mean that I don't have to (laughs) fight my own demons. um, And that sometimes I can be encouraging to other people and and for some reason it doesn't work for me. Uh, That show so weird. I know that this is just what happens. I'm trying to get back into the woods, but I have to cross this road here. Uh... And so, I, I really had to put some effort in in trying to stop that uh, self talk. And um, now I was thinking, well, this is Advent, right? I don't have a solution for this. What am I going to do? Um, I d- I'll just have to accept it's the way it is. <laughs> I mean, I cannot cannot magically uh, let these 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 things disappear, but. God is taking care of me, right? He's been helping me ever since I started this work. And for, for, for whatever magical reason it's always, or divine reason, I should say, uh, it always worked out. It's just so difficult if you're confronted with these overwhelming numbers and I just don't see how. But, you know, trust, trust providence. So then what happened? Um, I, I get a call... From uh, someone who tells me, you know what, um, we we invited you to uh, replace um, one of our collaborators for that workshop. Remember, two weeks ago, I was at that um, convention for people that work in churches. And I was asked if I could, at very last minute, if I could do two workshops about using social media as a church community. And that's what I did. I prepared it and um, I gave uh, two workshops very cool very uh, enthusiastic and dynamic and it was a lot of fun and they, so now they called me and they said you know what we'd like to uh, see inquire if you are available to give a workshop about social media and how to use social media for our company for and for our the members of our of our company and would you be available for that? And if so, what's your price, etc. And then all of a sudden, I st- I'm, st- I'm starting to think, well, wait a minute. Oh, I'd love to do that. So I, I took some time to think about it. I was like, well, you know what? This is, this is something I, I've been thinking about for, uh, for quite a while, actually. It's like, how can I help my fellow faithful to do what I what I do, and maybe, t- or to use my knowledge, my experience, to uh, to apply it in their own mission. And uh, I've always been thinking in terms of, oh, well, maybe I should design a course and then put a video series online, etc., etc. And uh, and and of course, none of that ever materialized because I don't have time for that. Um, designing a course. ...in the form of uh, like a series of videos... ...it's a major investment... ...because you need to plan the content... ...you need to film it... ...you need to edit it... ...we're talking about an investment of... ...of thousands of euros... ...maybe even ten thousands of euros... ...so... ...that never went anywhere... ...um... ...but then I'm thinking... ...you know what... ...but this... ...I don't... ...I don't have to... ...um... ...design a course... ...I know this stuff... ...and what they're asking me... ...is to sit with them... ...for an entire afternoon... And they let me know what they want to learn. I share from my experience and my knowledge how they can how, how they can improve their use of social media and I can answer their questions you know it's it's interactive so if they want to have very practical advice like okay so where do we where do we uh deploy our activities, which social media are and and then what do we do if we go on TikTok or we decide to go uh, make a podcast? How do we do this? I know all this stuff. It's what I've been doing for 20 years, you know. I can go all the way to helping people create television quality material. I know all that. But I've always only used it for my own outreach. And now I'm stuck because that outreach doesn't generate any revenue. Um, and Um And at the same time, I get this invitation and I'm thinking well but that's that may actually be part of the solution because what I need in order to to stop bleeding 50,000 euros per year just in order to continue to reach out via the podcast and via the TikTok and YouTube channels I need to create an additional source of income and uh it has to be something that doesn't cost me years of development and all sorts of like we don't have money to invest right now nothing but i have already invested in all that knowledge and i am very good at explaining it on the spot i'm a quick thinker and those workshops i didn't have much time to prepare them but they went very well because i i'm used to think on my feet and i know so much more than most people in Church communities that are that that want to you know use social media to reach out, and so i 'm thinking, you know what this is something I talked about with Cliff Ravenscraft more than a year ago um, we, we had a, a coaching call and and he told me about um, coaching and how that could be a, a solution. He recommended some books for me to read, and at the time. I don't think I was ready for it or I just was racking my brain like but I don't see myself in the role of a coach because I'm just a simple priest, you know. <laughs> I make podcasts. I I'm not good at this and I and, and why would people why would people hire me? <laughs> you know, for what? And I just totally missed what was right in front of me. And that is this, this, you know, 20 years of experience from, actually, I should say more than 25 years. Because from my first years as a young priest, I've been active on the internet. Social media didn't exist, but I had a blog before the word blogging was invented. I was able to reach tens of thousands of of people every single day all over the world because I was... Creating, I was creating content for this Star Wars website where I connected the world of Star Wars with with faith, and so I've been doing this for the majority of my life. So I have so much to give, and I just needed to have this one nudge from this uh, from this company that said, "Hey, we value your knowledge. Why don't you train us?" And then I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. And just very simple, you know, what is, what is currently the whole the financial hole? It's 50,000. Um, how many coaching clients would I need? And I'm just thinking of maybe not just individual people, but what is this sound? Oh, it's a tree. <laughs> the tree is squeaking in the wind. <coughs> wow, that sounded weird that sounds like a bird but it's actually just a, a, well, probably a one tree rubbing against another one or I don't know what anyway so um so what is my availability because it's also I, I don't want to do this full time obviously my, my core mission is to reach out um but this is something I I can probably open up a, a, like a day or two like an afternoon of course if I would find people or or parishes, for instance, in uh, a different time zone. And uh, there there needs to be a bit of a... The planning is important for this. I cannot be up in the middle of the night, but I think it's possible to find uh, or to open up a number of slots. And so I'm thinking, well, okay, so 50,000 a year. um, We're talking about, uh, let's say... Four, four or five thousand a month that I need to somehow generate, but they are paying me for those two um, workshops on that Saturday. They paid me five hundred bucks, which is not much. <laughs> I mean, especially since I have a, a, a lot of, of, of expertise. Um, but I'm thinking if I find I don't know eight clients per month, that bring that, and I, I would charge five hundred bucks f- for for this accompaniment. Uh, that would that would generate four thousand euros, or dollars, or whatever, per month. That would that would instantly solve the problem, and it's not. And I would have time to spare, and it would be. It would also be fun because I, I love working with people, and and I get motivated because of the interaction. That's when I when I preach in church. I it really helps me to have an audience and to see the people's reactions and sometimes people will just ask me questions in the middle of the homily because they feel at ease with me and I I like that I like that interaction so I'm thinking you know what this could be the missing link in my in my in my work And, and maybe you know I was looking for this answer for months and I was asking my prayers. Please, God, give me a solution because I don't, I really want to continue this mission, but I don't know how because we're running out of money. And so, uh, maybe it's what what Peter writes to the early Christians is is also true for me. Maybe God had a reason to not give you the answer; He was just waiting for you to be ready for it. And and all of a sudden, there is this idea, and it's. It's more than just an idea. I've had tons of ideas. But this is this is a almost feels like a calling. Like, yeah, I think I can do this. And uh, there is a huge need all over the world for expertise when it comes to media. Uh, this this became clear to me when I was studying in Rome and I was we were looking at what what dioceses and parishes do and how they present themselves in on television, on the radio, in interviews and it's it's I've always been baffled by the fact that we have such a beautiful message. But we wrap it in in uh, in 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 old newspaper. (laughs) You know, instead of wrapping it in a as a beautiful gift that makes people excited to open it. We we, we we're so lousy in our presentation that people don't even care about what's inside and this is one of the major issues i think that so many churches are struggling with and especially on social media you can make a difference and it doesn't cost anything you know it's all about it's every anybody anybody can be successful on social media as long as you know how you don't need to buy expensive equipment you need to know how to use your current equipment very well. And so that's all stuff that I've been practicing for 25 years. And I, I've got the numbers to prove that I am an expert on this. Why don't I use this expertise to help other people and they can help me to continue my mission? And so my work then, my life would, be, would have this twofold mission. One is to reach out and to be present in the lives of so many young people that are looking for guidance in their lives and I speak their language and I know how to, how to create community there and at the same time I can use that experience and to teach other people with that same desire to do the same. I think that is what I am supposed to do. This is a bit of a long story. Uh, a long story. <laughs> um in for my for my patrons, I record a, a slightly longer episode, like a premium episode of the walk so i'll maybe uh add some more thoughts because this is obviously still in a very early stage of development. but I would love to hear your thoughts on this, and maybe um, you have ideas on how I could find these people. Uh, or, or parishes, maybe in your own environment, you, you could find people that say, well, you know what? I would be in for um, a coaching trajectory. And it can be as short and, or as long as people want, you know? Okay, I can custom make, make it because I know, I know the world of parishes. I know the, what churches are trying to do because I'm part of that world. And at the same time, I also have lots and lots of advice as to how you do that. So uh, so let me know if you, if you think you know people. Maybe you yourself are, are in, in interested in, uh, in getting coached by me in, in what you are trying to do to, uh, to reach out. Uh, or, or maybe you know people that, that, that would be interested. I think I'm, I'm, I really depend on, on my network with you in order to make this happen. And at the same time, I, I also have some ideas about how to um, start building around this idea in the next couple of months. All that I will share with my patrons because I feel like they are—they're building this mission with me. And if you would like to join that community and get the longer version, then just go to Patreon.com/FatherRodrick. You know, you know the way. Hey, that's um, that's those are my thoughts. It all started with the. Uh, the CAD distribution system, but <laughs> it ends hopefully with some concrete ideas about how this mission of mine can continue after all these years. <laughs> I think it should, but of course we somehow uh, need to make that happen. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and we'll talk soon. Have a very blessed continuation of the time of Advent, and who knows, next week this walk may come straight from the streets of Rome or from St. Peter's Square. Make sure to listen, and we'll talk soon. God bless.